0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Well, this morning God's put something on my heart. I feel like... uh, needs to be said, and this is said with all love and with all uh desire to serve God. I've got a tough question to ask you. Why are you here? A lot of times this is it's been said three times this morning already well we're kind of light on the number of people that are here there's not as many people that are here that's normally here yes that's true all across the united states it's the same in every church everywhere else you go pretty much uh, the sunday after a major holiday is going to be pretty light so, I'm not making excuses, but what I am saying is is that you, you, this isn't the only church that is low in numbers this morning. Having said that, I want you to ask yourselves, are you, why are you here? Are you here for the other people that are here? Is what I'm getting at. Or are you here to worship our Lord and Savior? If you're here to worship our Lord and Savior, it shouldn't matter if you're here all by yourself. That's right. If we're here to worship God, we ought to praise Him and exalt Him, whether we're few in number or whether we're busting at the seams. And let me tell you something. If we were busting at the seams, human nature dictates that we'd be saying, well, look at all the people that are here. It's always about the other people that are here. And let me tell you something. Church doesn't need to be about the other people that are here. You ought to be here to worship the Lord See what He will say to you and allow you to have and absorb in your life. And if God has blessed you, then go and tell somebody else and say, Hey, you'll never believe the blessing I received Sunday at church. You know, if you're looking for something, maybe you need to come and see what we've got at church and see if it blesses you too. And that might solve some of the problem of, of always looking around saying, you know, there's not that many people here. There's no, and let me tell you something, if there were more people here, we'd still be saying it until there were so many people here, we couldn't seat anybody else. But it's not about the other people. It's about you and your worship of God. I'm here to help lead you in that worship. And if all you're thinking about is how many other people aren't here and who should be here, well, that can be good and bad. It's good that you're thinking about other people. But it's bad if all you're doing is, th- is grumbling under your breath about how many people aren't here. It's good if you think about all the people that aren't here and go out and do something about it and tell somebody, hey, I noticed you weren't at church Sunday. You need- we missed you. We hope you come back and be with us. Or I hadn't seen you in a long time at church. Would you please consider coming back to be with us? We miss you so much. We'd love to have you worship with us. Or if if they've never come and say, you know, we've got some empty pews at our church that we'd love to fill. Would you come and be a part of that? Would you help come fill our our pews and, and rejoice with us at what God is doing? God is doing great things in our lives. You see, if you only think about the people that aren't here, you miss out on all the things that God is doing. And our Sunday school lesson was all about that this morning, about all the blessings that God gives us. Praise God we've got a church to come to. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord that we live in a land where we can worship God freely. Amen. And, pa- and that's part of the problem too. We take for granted our freedoms. We take for granted our liberties, our ability to come and join together to the point where we get other things more concerned in our life. There's a lot of people that are out there right now that are concerned about their life because I saw them driving into church today. One of the things that I do as a pastor is I drive by homes and I, it's just my nature to notice, oh, you think it's more important today to, to wash your car. Oh, you think it's more important today to, wash, uh, to mow your grass. Oh, you think it's more important today to rake your uh, pine needles today instead of coming to church. That's a little judging and condescending, but you know, it it points out to us those people that we need to be reaching. We need to be touching those people's lives. We need and maybe that's the only time they have to do some of those things and they can't do it any other time. That's an opportunity to open the door for missions and ministry and service to other people. So they do have the time to come and be here on Sunday morning but we need to start thinking about why we're here. Are we here to hear the Word of God? Are we here to allow God to speak to our lives? Are we here to worship God? Or are we here worrying about who's here and who's not here? Because that's a a tool of the devil to get you to not pay attention to what God's trying to tell you this morning. And so I just I just had to get that off my chest. God put it on my heart. I never would say anything like this if it wasn't directed by God. And it scares me a little bit to stand up here and say it. But, you know, sometimes we've got to hear the blunt truth. We've got to hear uh, the hard facts of the matter is. And we're not here to worry about the empty pews. We're here to worship God. So let's center ourselves on God. Allow Him to speak to our hearts and pray that God will bless us with His Word. Amen? Amen. Let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we, we, we empty all this at Your feet. We're concerned about our church. That's why we're concerned about how many people are here and not here. But Lord, we're here to worship You. We're here to exalt Your holy name. We're here to to glorify You. We're here to worship and praise You for the fact that You gave Your love for us. You sacrificed so much for us and we sacrifice so little for You. Lord, we're embarrassed when we think of all that You gave up for us how little we give up for You. Lord, we we pray Your mercy upon us. For Lord, we are broken and undone. We're unworthy of Your love and we're unworthy of Your grace and yet You give it to us freely. You pour it out on us so graciously and liberally that we forget about how how blessed we are and how, how overwhelming your love is that you sent your son to die on the cross for us for us for me and so great is your love that you would do that Lord as David your servant said I'm undone when I think of these things Lord, I pray that You would pour out Your Spirit on this place. Mm -hmm. Lord, we've come to see You, not everybody else. We've come here today to worship You, not to see and to be seen. Lord, we just pray that, that in this time that we would we'd magnify You and allow You to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. This morning I want to talk to you about... uh, This doesn't go along with anything that I just said, so you can tell how how much of that was put on my heart by the Lord. All of us, when we came in the door this morning, started talking about all the things that we enjoyed with Thanksgiving. We had Thanksgiving this week and we had this food and we had that food and we talked about all the people that we got to get to see and all that. Those are wonderful things to do at at any holiday season. It's important to, to reconnect with family. It's important to to celebrate the blessings of God and it's important to to take time to to set aside to be thankful all of us should be thankful for what God's done amen I mean everybody that uh, what we I I can remember as a young person uh, growing up that we would on Thanksgiving uh, more than any other time of the year we'd we, it seemed like we always went to my mom's side of the family, my grandparents on my mother's side. They they lived in Gastonia and we lived in Charlotte, so it was easy for all the family to get together. The rest of my, my aunts and uncles and their families all lived in Gastonia. We, we were the furthest away in Charlotte, so it was easy for the whole extended family to get back together. At Thanksgiving and at Christmas, we'd all get together in that little house uh, in the mill village, uh, Uh, where my grandparents lived. My mom always would tell us, now we didn't have it this good all of our lives. And we'd look around the house and we'd think, my goodness, you count this as good. I mean, for most of us, we consider it to be a tiny little small house. And it was. But uh, my mom would tell tell us about times where they would live with other people because my, my grandparents didn't have a home of their own. They had to live with family. They had to live with others because they didn't have they weren't blessed with a home that that was their own. They would uh then when they did get a home, they uh my mom told us about how they would uh they shared that home with uh, family that lived right next door. They, the family, uh, both families bought plots right beside each other, and they built the one house, and everybody lived in that one house while the other house was being built. And then, the, and they would talk about uh, working in the mill and how some of the family would work overnight, and 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 they'd come home. Early in the morning when their shift was over and they'd wake everybody up and say, get out of the bed, and they'd crawl into the bed right after they got out of bed because they didn't have enough room for everybody to have a, a bed of their own. They shared beds and they doubled up in the beds and everything else. They did what they had to do. And and nowadays we think we're bad, and poor and we're worse off if we don't have... A room of our own and a place of our own, and uh, just thoughts and memories of all those things uh, reminded me of how blessed we are today. But we had gathered together in that little house of my grandparents, and when you have four or five families in one uh, building, one house, you kind of get crowded. And, and we were all in there, and every year we'd come home uh, to Gastonia to my grandmama's and granddaddy's house, and and grandmama would be a- cooking there since early that morning, and she'd already cooked a lot of stuff the night before, and and uh, they had this kind of bar that was uh, uh, like a breakfast bar, and they'd have all the food laid out on that breakfast bar, and and it'd be just a feast of just all the food that was sitting there. and But when we'd get there, my granddaddy would always be, uh cutting the turkey and he'd he'd my grandmother had timed it just right so that she'd had time to for the turkey to come out and rest for a while for him to cut it and then she'd take the gravy and the juices and everything make cornbread dressing and everything and and she'd finish that up as everybody was getting there that morning and It was just all, just every time I think of Thanksgiving, that's the image that comes to mind because all the years growing up, that was what we uh, always did, and that's always the blessing. And I can remember sitting at the kids' table in the kitchen. We'd all be huddled around the little... Uh, breakfast table there and and be eating there and all the adults were sitting in the dining room eating over there and the dining room wasn't anything more than just the other part of the kitchen that was divided off from the the other part by the the breakfast bar thing there and so uh it it wasn't like that house was humongous and had a big old room or anything it was just another part of the kitchen but we we were blessed always to get together and we uh we've been getting together as a family uh of just my mother and and father and and our family for years now and and uh, we got together and and had a good time and I'm sure all of you got together with family and you spent time eating food and and we had we had ham this year uh we had some that were tired of turkey so we didn't have a turkey we just had ham and and all the fixings and everything that went along with it and all that and but, you know, uh, you, you did something uh, very similar, probably not exactly the same. You might have had turkey, or if you were like Brother Leon, you had seafood. And, and, uh, but the one thing is consistent around all of us is, is that we all had something that, that everybody else had, leftovers. And let me tell you, when uh, when I was growing up, the leftovers were sometimes better than the food when it first came out of the oven, right? I mean, it had a chance to sit. And then when you put it on to warm it up, it just absorbed some more of that goodness of whatever it was that, that was uh, cooking in. And, and it tasted better the second time around sometimes. And my grandmother would just leave all the food sitting out and just put towels over it. So that when we come back by, we just take the towels off and heat up what we wanted and, and have it, and it was good that way. Really good. But we had leftovers, and I'm sure you had leftovers, and that reminded me of a situation in Scripture. They didn't have Thanksgiving, but they had something awful close to Thanksgiving in the Bible. Did you know that? They had something real close to Thanksgiving. In John chapter 6, it's in all three of the Gospels, but we're going to look at John today. And John chapter 6 says, After these things Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed Him. There's all the in-laws coming in from all around. A great crowd followed Him, and because they saw His miracles which He did on them that were uh, diseased, and Jesus went up into a mountain, there He sat with His disciples. And uh, the Passover feast, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. And Jesus lifted up His eyes and saw a great company come unto Him. And He said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And so Jesus is concerned. He sees all these people. What's happened was that Jesus has been teaching, and he moves from one region to another, and and because he's touched and affected people in such a way that that is so different from anyone else. Anyone else? I mean, can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing him teach? Can you imagine the the thrill of finally? hearing something about Scripture that you, that you were so familiar with, but it finally makes sense because the Son of God, the Word and flesh is telling you what it means and telling you what God intended for you to know. And so they, they're following after Jesus. Now, there was a lot of people that followed Jesus because they saw all the miracles that He did. He healed all those people that were sick and He caused blind people to see. He caused deaf people to hear. He caused lame people to walk and people that were diseased with leprosy and other diseases to, to be clean and whole again. And so they were curious. There were different crowds. There were There was the crowd that was... Uh, yearning to hear the gospel yearning to hear the message of jesus christ then there was a crowd that was just the onlookers that had seen things that jesus had done and wanted to see again uh jesus do something else i mean it's like it's like being at the circus and you everybody's seen the trapeze artist but everybody that goes wants to see the trapeze artist do it again because why because you remember how thrilling it was to see the trapeze artist do it the first time Or the tightrope walker to walk across, you want to see it again because it's amazing every time you see it. That's the second group. The third group is the group who has heard about it. Hey, Jesus has been performing miracles. Maybe He can do something for me or maybe He is... Uh, maybe I'm going to see him do something. So there were the curious people, the people that, that had not seen Jesus do anything but wanted to see Jesus do something. So there was a great multitude of people and they're following after Jesus. And Jesus is kind of pulled away from the crowds and he's sitting there having Passover with his disciples. And he he looks up and he sees all these people that have followed. And they're all sitting around waiting... To hear more from Jesus. And they're all waiting they're And Jesus can see the hunger in their eyes. The physical hunger and the spiritual hunger. Well, Jesus has the spiritual bread to give them. He's got that. But he also knows that, look, it's, it's plain and simple. It's a principle that's been used whenever... Uh, groups go out on mission trips. It's a principle that's used in communities. Look, people that are are hurting, people that are hungry, people that are, are yearning for something, they're not going to listen to you talk about the gospel message. They're not going to listen to you talk about uh, give a Bible study lesson, a Sunday school lesson, while they're thinking about how hungry they are. People that are worried about their yard about all the trees that are laying on their house or or the leak that's coming in uh, their roof, they're not going to listen to you give a Sunday school lesson to them. They're worried about that leak in their roof. They're worried about the tree that's laying across their house. They're worried about the car that won't run, about the health of their family member that they can't take to the doctor because they don't have the funds. They're worried about the food that they need to provide for their children because they don't have enough money to pay for the food for their family so if we want to reach them jesus understood this he said he wants to reach these people he wants to feed them spiritually but he knows he's got to feed them physically first and he says he looks out upon all the crowds and he says where in the world are we going to buy have enough bread to be able to give all these people that they can eat and he asked philip poor philip he's the one put on the spot Philip says to him, and this he said to prove him, he's, uh, for he himself knew what he would do. <coughs> Philip says, Philip gives an answer to Jesus, and he knows what he would do if it was him. But Philip says uh, to him, two hundred pennyworth of bread is not enough for them; that every one of them may take a, a little. He says, look, 200 penny worth is not enough to to, to provide even a little nibble, of, a crumb for everybody. And one of his disciples, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And so Philip, Philip's idea is, is, look, I give up. We can't possibly have enough. Philip's desire is, "Hey, I'm just gonna. We're just gonna let let them go, do whatever fend for themselves. We can't. We don't. There's no way we could possibly give them enough food." And Andrew, at least, he's thinking in terms of of. Maybe he's saying to himself, you know, hey, if we pull all our resources, here's a little boy that's got five loaves and barley loaves and two fish. Maybe we can find some other folks that have got some some food, and we can maybe pull it all together, and we might have a little snack for everybody until they can get back to where they can get a full meal. But he he's just he's almost using it as a an illustration of how futile it is to try and feed everybody now you and i probably think of uh, a loaf of wonder bread or a loaf of uh, uh, nature's own bread or or walmart brand generic bread and that's what we think of when we think of barley loaves we think of a big uh, maybe a, a big french roll and that and we think well five of those that's a pretty good size amount of bread and we think of fish like what we'd uh Keep if we were out fishing and we're not thinking about that little tiny thing that we'd throw back because it's too small and the law won't allow us to to keep it but the law wasn't around back then and so the the two fish was probably small uh, close to the size of sardines and the five barley loaves is probably close to uh, what we were uh, about the size of a biscuit so it's not really a whole lot of, of food there remember this is a small boy's lunch it's not his full meal for the whole day it's just just what he would take he probably was given the five loaves and he probably been out fishing in the creek and that's where he got the two little fish so it's not a lot anyway and Andrew says look this little boy's got some food but that's not enough to feed everybody else and um then we see what Jesus says. Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. And so the men uh, sat down in numbers of 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves that he had uh, given thanks And he distributed to the disciples and to the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise to the fish of the fishes as many as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten." Then those men, uh, when they had seen the the miracle that Jesus did, said, "This is the truth that prophet that should come into the world and when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and make him uh, take him by force and make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. This passage of scripture is pretty well known it's the known as the uh, the uh, uh, feeding of the five thousand, feeding of the on the plane, uh, the five thousand on the plane. It's, it's there's a bunch of different names for it, but it's well known. It's a well known uh, illustration of what Jesus Christ did to feed those people. And let me uh, and there's a lot of correlating uh, things to share, but let me point out just a few simple things. A few simple things. First of all, is is that we live in a world that's hungry for the gospel we live in a world that is yearning to have someone to share with them what it's all about there are people in this world that are look when your body is hungry when your physical body is hungry uh we were uh i took cynthia to the football game yesterday up in athens and and she wasn't hungry when we got there so we waited and uh, about two-thirds of the way to the, through the game, she started to get hungry all of a sudden when it was inconvenient to get her something to eat. Isn't that how young people are? I mean, I'm sorry, ch- uh, young people, but that's just the way. I mean, you don't think about when it's... when. Look, you, we could be pat, driving down the road and there's a hundred different places to eat. You don't, and you're you're a little hungry, but you don't say anything because you could go a little while longer. Then you get out in the part of the road where there's nothing for miles around—nothing but fields, nothing at all. That's the time you finally decide to say, "Hey, I'm hungry," when you can't can't pull over and find a place to stop and eat or anything like that. And that's just the way it is, and uh, and uh, but your your body gives you cues. Your body tells you, "Look, you know." Uh, uh you hadn't eaten in a while it'd be nice if you put something in there. uh and look uh we we live in a society in a world where all of us have plenty to eat there's there's not anyone that needs to go a day without food because there's just an abundance of food everywhere there's parts of the world though that people are are unable to eat because there's just nothing there to eat um And if you don't eat, what happens? You get weak physically. Your immune system is lowered. You get sick. Um, If you don't eat, your body begins to shut down after a while, doesn't it? It begins to reserve resources. Um, Your heart and your brain are two things that you've got to have. You don't have to have legs, you don't have to have arms, you don't have to have fingers. And toes and all that kind of thing. So if you don't eat long enough, not only are you weak, you get to the point where you can't move and you can't do anything it's because your body's conserving resources with your with your heart and with your brain. And but we don't really know hunger the way other people do. There's very few people in the United States that really know hunger the way some people do now we were introduced uh thanks to sally struthers uh uh, of people the plight of of children all over the world uh that are in hunger we've seen images of those kids that are they're not even strong enough to to bat the flies away from their face they they just they're so weak because they're hungry we live in a world that's not only hungry For food, They're hungry for the gospel. They're hungry for God's Word. And we're sitting at the buffet table where we've got all kinds of opportunities to hear the gospel message. We have all kinds of opportunities to study God's Word. I don't think there's one of us that can't go home and probably put their hands on more than one copy of the Scriptures. There's places in the world where there's not even a fragment of of the Bible for people to read. And when they do have it, they devour it like it's it's food and they've not eaten in 40 days. They they consume that because that little fragment. There are people that are meeting together in hidden churches, underground churches and they are they they've they don't have a whole Bible. They bring all these sheets of paper with them and and it's little fragments of the of the Bible and and they'll Take them and they'll share them with somebody else and get another fragment and they'll take it home and and they'll read it and reread it and read it and read it, and read, it read it to the point where it's it's memorized in their heart and mind because they yearning for that and we have uh, every opportunity to come and you can listen to preachers on podcasts you can watch them on TV you can go on the internet and see just about any preacher you want to see you can you can you've got all the resources of Of coming to church and studying the scriptures, you can send off for study guides and study aids in order to learn about the Bible. You, we've got places to go where you can go and get intensive training in Bible colleges and seminaries. And there's, look, you don't have to go. Uh, 300 miles away to a seminary, you can go up the street and get a seminary uh, seminary training. You can go on the Internet and get seminary training. You you know, we have all these opportunities and we're just like what it would be like if we lived at... Golden Crow. We get so tired of all the choices. We get so tired of all the food. We get sick and tired of all the stuff that so many people would love to be able to eat. And we've gotten so overwhelmed with all the stuff that we have that we don't realize what a great opportunity that we have. But we need to take what we have and when i was pastoring up in west virginia I, I had a group of little uh older ladies that uh didn't do a whole lot for themselves and they were kind of uh ladies that that were uh in the autumn of life and we'd pack them all into our church van and we'd go on trips every month once a month and we'd go and we'd go up to the, uh that well we'd go down to the uh it, here it'd be up go up to the to the uh uh parkway up there in the mountains and look at all the, the leaves and everything up there you go down because it's south of there you go to the uh, uh blue ridge parkway and we'd go and look at all the leaves and we'd pack a big lunch and have it uh there beside the road and we'd enjoy all the Uh, different things that everybody brought and uh, robin and i we packed a little sandwich and some chips in a brown bag and that was our lunch we got there and those ladies had they started pulling stuff out from i don't know where I don't know, but older ladies have a hundred different places they can stash stuff and they pulled out potato salad and they pulled out macaroni salad and they pulled out uh, all these different uh, things that they had there and we had a, and they shared with everybody else because they all, they all brought more than they could eat and so we all had a feast there beside the, the parkway and, we went to different places and saw different things. Well, one time I took them to Shatley Springs. It's a place up in in Virginia. It's a, a family style place, and you sit down and and they bring you all the food to your table. You don't go to a buffet bar. They just bring it out to the table and you serve it family style. And then you eat. And if you eat it all off the plate, they bring out another plate. So if you're if they got chicken, you everybody has a piece of chicken. There's no more chicken. And they bring out another plate of chicken. If you eat all the uh, potato salad or whatever else they bring out, and you eat it all, they bring out more so that everybody has as much as you want. It was buffet like that, but it was family style. Well, these little ladies had lined their purses with aluminum foil, and they were and they would eaten what they could, and they took. They'd take a piece of chicken, wrap it up in a napkin, and put it down in their purse, in that full line purse. And they took it. That's why they have all those places to hide food, because they go to a restaurant and they could hide some some of the food. Because why? Because they were going to have it for supper that night. or they going to have it for lunch the next day or something like that? Hey, waste not, walnut, right? I mean, they had all that, all that, and. That's what Andrew's thinking, that all these people are sitting around and they they just pull out something and we'd all have a good time eating what we had. But Jesus understood that they needed to be nourished. And we live in a world where spiritually people are are starving to death. They need to hear the gospel message that's been written in your heart. They need to hear the Sunday school lessons that you've heard over and over and over again because there's people out there that have never heard the first Sunday school lesson in their life. We've got people in this world that that need to hear the gospel message because they've never read the Bible. They've never heard the stories of Jesus healing people and feeding 5,000 people and doing this and doing that. They've never heard those things. It's easy for them not to believe in Jesus because they don't know anything that He's taught. They know nothing of the messages that Jesus has shared. And Jesus gave us a command. He said, go and tell them what I'm teaching you. Go out there and make disciples by telling them all the things I've told you. And we're sitting at the buffet table, just gluttoning ourselves on the scriptures, and we need to be ta- we need to be packing it away like those little old ladies, and we need to be taking it out to the people and sharing it with them that have never heard. Well, Jesus understood the first principle is is that all of these people need to be blessed. They are hungry, and they need it, and we need to learn that there are people all around us that are hungry as well. They're hungry for the gospel, but we've got to meet their needs. We've got to help them with uh, cutting up the limbs in their yard and help them getting rid of all that stuff that's fallen from the storm. They need help with putting a new roof on the on their roof. They need help with, with the leak that's in the house. They need help with with taking care of... There's some people in this community... That, are, that have all their families grown up and gone on out of the house and they're all alone. They just need somebody to come and to sit with them and reminisce about all the days that they uh, had with their family or just look in on them and make sure that they've got the things they need. We've got people that are hungering for the gospel, but we've got to meet their physical need first. We've got to touch them in their life so that they know that we care or else we're just like anyone else that's come knocking on the door I don't need it don't want it don't come here we need to go and we need to show them that we care about them that we love them by helping them with the things that they have in their life and then they'll be open to hear the message that we have about Jesus (coughs) so Jesus understood that they were hungry he understood that the people needed what he had and the third principle is, is that we need to learn to depend upon Jesus, to give people what they need. So often we want to do like we do everything else. Well, I, I need a job, so I'm going to go out and attack it. I'm going to go out and find that job. I'm going to knock on enough doors till like I find a place that needs a uh, somebody, and I'm going to do whatever they need doing so I can get a job. Well, God put that job there for you. You just You're just hunting around. For the job that God intended for you to have, sometimes you miss the job God intended for you to have because you went somewhere else when all along you needed to have prayed. God, show me where you want me to go. God's already provided that, but we try and we get out there and we think we can do it on our own. I don't need to worry God with this. I'm this is too small for God to worry about. I, I'll take care of this. When in reality, we ought to be. God tells us to ask you don't have you got something you need jesus said look you don't have what you need because you do not ask we've got to start asking for what god would have for us asking what god would have for this church god we know that you want us to reach people tell us who it is that we're to reach because those are the people that are in need that God wants to put is Isn't it a lot easier to bring people to church if God put them here and to begin with? Oh, it's so much easier. It's hard to wrap... Uh, to, I mean, we can do it. We can tie people up and drag them here, but the law might have something to say about it. But it's a whole lot easier if God's been working in their heart And God has placed a need in their life and He puts that on our heart and we go and we meet that need in that person's life and then all of a sudden, hey, they realize, hey, I want to be at that. I I need to be at Mount Olive Baptist Church because they care about me. It's a lot easier to get somebody here that way when God puts them here than to go out and try and get people that that God's not drawing into this church. Now, we need to reach everyone... But not everyone is meant to be here at Mount Olive Baptist Church. We need to go find the ones that God intends for us to have at Mount Olive Church. And we need to be willing to witness to people and, and share the gospel and share God's love with everybody, whether they're meant to be at First Baptist or Union Grove or, or uh, Lake View or Pine Cliff or wherever it might be. And we don't need to get upset when God takes them to those churches. We just need to be thankful that God used us in some way to minister to somebody's life. But we need to find the people that God intends for here. God doesn't intend for this church to be empty. God intends for our church to be full and to be blessed, overwhelmingly blessed. But so often we miss it because we don't ask. We don't say, God, tell me, who who am I supposed to go get this week? Who am I supposed to go and minister to this week? Who am I supposed to, to share your love this week? Because guess what? God's putting people in your path all along. You're just not noticing it yourself. You're just not aware of who He's putting in your path. So we need to to understand that Jesus is able to provide everything they need. When we go, we so often worry about, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Maybe they won't accept me. Maybe they'll slam the door in my face. Maybe they won't want to listen to me. Well, if you're going on your own, yeah, that's a very high likelihood. But Jesus gives you everything you're supposed to say. Jesus will provide everything that you need to meet that person's need. And guess what? It'll be the exact thing that He placed on your heart to study the day before or that morning. I've been amazed at the times, and I've been, and, and I used to think I was cheating. I used to think, oh, I'm no good. I I read that this morning and and all I'm doing is repeating what I read this morning. And really, if I was more deep and intellectual, I'd remember something I read three months ago or I'd remember something that I studied years ago. No, God put that on your mind that morning because He wanted it to be fresh in your heart for when He gave you the opportunity to share that with somebody that afternoon. God did that. Not you. God did that. And God has a purpose and plan. And that's why we have to always be in His Word. That's why we have to study it every day. That's why we need to, to allow God to speak to our hearts every single day. Because He'll put it there for us. And He'll remind us when we, and it'll be, we'll be thinking, it's just like the old V8 commercial. Boom, I could have had a V8. Boom. God gave me that this morning to share with these people. So I'm going to share it this morning. And thank you. Uh, you know, the other day, Robin was getting ready for that women's Bible study on Thursday. That was last week. Not this past week, but the week before. And she was tired. She'd had a difficult day at work. And she was saying, you know, I, I know I need to go, but I really, I really don't feel like it. I said, this is the time you need to go. I said to her, and this is something we all have to realize. I have to remind myself. Anytime you feel too tired to go to a Bible study, anytime you feel <coughs> excuse me. Anytime you feel rushed and, and like you shouldn't, well maybe I'll just blow it off today. Maybe I'll just blow off church today. I don't feel too good. I don't want to get anybody else sick. Listen, that's the time you need to go because God's got something for you. The devil's trying to keep you from going. The devil's trying to keep you from being blessed. Satan's trying to keep you from being there and getting what you need. That's the moment you need to say, hey, I've got to go now because I don't feel good. I don't feel like it. I've got to go tonight. And I told her, I said, go. Just make sure. I said, I'll do whatever you need done don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Just go. and and I said, I know you don't feel like it, but just go. She went and I, and she came uh, we got we run we don't get we rendezvoused at home. Um we got together and I said later that night, I said, You really were blessed tonight, weren't you? And she said, Oh, you don't know. You just do not know. And I said, I told you. Anytime you feel as though you You just didn't. You just would rather stay home and rest and not do anything. That's the time you must go and go to a Bible study. Go do your devotion. Go spend some time with God in prayer. Whatever it is you're thinking of putting off, God wants to give you exactly what you need in order to share His love, in order to give what uh, what you need to give. The last point and i bet you've been saying well i wish you'd get here because i've been waiting well we're here we're this last point okay last thing they at the end jesus told the disciples to do something what did he tell them to do collect all the fragments left over he said collect all the leftovers and put them all together why do you think jesus did that why do you think he kept on going why do you think that Jesus, Jesus could have known, okay, this is the point where they're going to be full as a tick. I don't need to make any more. He didn't do that. He kept going. He kept going. And food's piling up everywhere else. He kept going. Why? Jesus, He knows our heart. He knows what's going to happen. Why do you think he kept going? You know he knew he had more than enough. So there had to have been a reason. Leftovers in this story, uh this scripture have a real meaning. They're not to be dismissed. You know, in our house sometimes leftovers they get I seem to be the only one that eats leftovers in my house. They will put leftovers in the refrigerator and and it's it's really bad when it's stuff I know I shouldn't be eating and it's in there it's calling my name. Hey, you need to eat us. And I grew up where leftovers were what you ate and if you didn't have enough leftovers you cooked again, you know. And uh so uh but you know, you don't waste your leftovers, you eat them. They're bad, they're good and and so here's Jesus. He's he keeps on Doing out the food and he's got leftovers. Leftovers are a special sign. I don't want to tell you about it, what it means. But here's Jesus and he's handing out the food. His disciples are handing out the food. We don't think too much about leftovers because it's a everyday occurrence. Most of us, even in, even some of you ladies that probably. Eat at home by yourself unless you eat. Do like my mom eats those little TV dinners, what they used to be called. She eat little banquet meals or those other meals that you can get link cuisine or whatever. She'll eat those little things, and my goodness, I told her, I said that's not healthy for you. You need to stop doing that. But it's portioned out really small. About it's really a child's portion, but you know. Uh, Anyway, she does that and she's got just enough. But sometimes there's, it's more than she needs. Even there, she's got leftovers. We, we dismiss leftovers because they're so prevalent. But leftovers are every time you have a leftover in your refrigerator, I want you to remember this. You take this home and you remember this if you hadn 't remembered anything else. Leftovers are a sign of the abundance of god 's blessing. Yes. Leftovers are a sign of god 's abundant blessing in your life. jesus didn 't stop handing out the food to those people because those people look, those people were living in a day and age where you worked all day long for what you ate that day. You worked consistently and you worked hard in order to have food so you could eat. And the Bible even says if you don't work, you don't eat, right? You shouldn't eat. There was no welfare back then. You didn't work, you didn't eat. You don't take somebody's food that they they had. And it was unheard of except for the ultra-rich to have an abundance of food. That's why wedding feasts are so important in the Bible, because people would save up for years in order to have money for a wedding. Because guess what, you fed everybody in the whole community for a whole week or more—two weeks, three weeks. It was a celebration of what God had done in your life because you had an overabundance of all the food. It was a—it was a special time because people didn't have to worry about. It. <coughs> having food, that they, and they would eat things they wouldn't eat. Normally, why do you think that Jesus likens and the Bible likens being in heaven to a wedding feast? It's because of all the blessings of God are just going to be pouring out all the time. And it's going to be a time of celebration. It's an image of celebration that we forget because basically today, whenever you have a wedding or a funeral, yes, there's food and everybody comes together, but a lot of people skip out because, oh, we need to get back to all the things we need to do. But you didn't skip out on a wedding feast back then because people didn't have food to eat day to day. So these are all people, and they're yearning for something they're hungry. Jesus not only has enough the miracle of providing food for everybody to eat, but he has the miracle he provides a miracle of people to have enough to where they oh it's like you felt on Thursday after Thanksgiving dinner oh i don't I want to eat some more of grandma 's pie. but if I eat another thing, I might explode. Oh, I might have to sit for a couple of hours and then attack it again. That's how they felt. They were just stuffed to the gills. And these people probably never felt that way except at special feasts and times of celebration. And so Jesus was trying to tell them and help them to understand this is a special time because the message of God is here for you today. So leftovers are these leftovers are not only there to signify they had enough and couldn't eat more is to exemplify the fact that they had a blessing of God. But the blessing wasn't just in food itself. The blessing was in what Jesus had to say. Jesus' message was the true abundant blessing in their life. And they needed to understand. And they wanted it, look, just like for me he tell me to think of thanksgiving i don't think of the other day i think of years ago when i was little and all the blessings and it stands out in my mind why because all the great food and the great fellowship and the time that we had together it was a memory that's imprinted in my mind i might I can't remember half the things I did as a kid, but I remember Christmases and Thanksgivings and birthdays because they were special. They stand out in your mind. Jesus was making an imprint on their mind. Remember that time that we didn't have anything to eat and that that, that Jesus came and He started handing out bread that was from that little boy. And we had so much to eat, we couldn't eat anymore and they had... 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now, in my house we have a basket for we growing up we had a basket for the the biscuits or the the dinner rolls. That's a little basket you have on the table for that. I don't think those baskets that were collected were like that little basket thrown on the table. I think they were huge baskets, like we're, what were used in gleaning because it shows the abundance of God's blessing. We need to remember that not only does the blessings come from God and not only do we have the message to give the world from Jesus Christ, we have an overabundance to share with everyone and we need to share it with them. So that's a lot to think about, a lot to remember. But every time you think of all the food that you've had in your life, think of all the others that are hungry and all the others that need the message of God's love. And remember, you're that way with the gospel each and every day. You have Chuck Swindoll. You have Charles Stanley. You have old... Uh, sermons from Adrian Rogers that are still being uh, put on the radio and all these other great preachers. You can listen to those things on the radio every day. You can listen to them all the time on podcasts. You can listen to it all the time. But there's people out in the world that need to hear it. Not just those sermons, but they need to hear the gospel that's been imprinted on your life. The message that God has put in you and you are the source. You need to take it out to them. So what's the so what are you going to do? Are you going to sit at the table and sit and, oh, I don't think I could eat another bite. I'm, you're useless sitting around the table. All we were good for after Thanksgiving dinner was sitting around watching the parade or a football game, right? You can't get out there in the, in the yard and work after eating like that. you got to sit for a while and let it, digest some we're over engorged with the gospel we need to go out and share it with others we need to share the blessings of god because we've been overwhelmingly blessed with leftovers let's pray dear gracious father lord we just thank you for the great wonderful message of the abundance of your love